Hello, and welcome to the Connect the Dots podcast. My name is Heather. My pronouns are she, her. I am a white woman with short strawberry blonde hair. Uh, I am currently wearing a dark green dark gray t-shirt that says be kind uh, and I'm sitting in front of a teal wall that is covered with different art pieces uh, so if this is your first time listening or watching welcome in excited to have you here with me if you are a returning listener or watcher on YouTube thank you so much for coming back I really appreciate um, that you're here it makes me happy uh, <laughs> As you may know, if you have been here before, if you've read anything about the podcast, uh, we cover a lot of different topics. Um, last week, we did a deep dive into toxic positivity uh, with my deep thoughts episode. And then this week, we're going to turn to neurodiversity and we're going to talk about the concept of masking. And then next week uh, will be an interview episode followed by... Um, on the last week of the month with an episode that is focused on how to navigate the workplace. Before I get fully into the topic today, though, I would like to ask if you would please share this podcast or YouTube video on your social media. Please tag me in it if it's over on Instagram. Um, I am at Ms. Heather B. Uh, tag me in the post so I can see it and so I can say thank you because uh, I really appreciate it. It makes my day when I see somebody share my podcast. Um, my friend April, upstate Mississippi, uh, shared it the other day and just, I don't, it makes my day. I love it. I love to see that, um, when you, when you share it. So thank you for the shares. And, uh, if you're not subscribed, go ahead. If this is, if you're on YouTube, uh, hit that subscribe button. There's a bell right next to it. I will tell you this. I found out as from my personal experience, uh, on that little bell, like click it, but then click it again and make sure you click on all. Or else you're going to miss or get like delayed notifications that I've posted a video. I don't know. Maybe YouTube's just doing that to me. But there's a little handy hint uh, from me to you about uh, subscribing on YouTube. If you want to get those notifications, make sure the, that the all is selected. Uh, if you are on your favorite podcast app, I'm sure there's a way to subscribe. What You know, that button, follow. Some of them are follow. Some of them are subscribe. Just I appreciate it. Uh, I was looking over my vision board today and I, I looked at my, like what my goal is for the year as far as, as uh, like listens or plays or downloads, however it's, you know, calculated. Uh, and my goal is 50,000. So we are halfway through the year and I'm at like 4,100. I have a little ways to go. So I need your help in doing that. So every, every listen, every like, every subscribe helps me do that. So appreciate you very, very much. Okay. Last week, when we discussed toxic positivity, I mentioned that it was like a mask for me at times. A smile, a happy face that came through regardless of the circumstance always there to tell you that it's going to be okay, right? It's going to be okay. Um, everything happens for a reason. Now, please don't take that as though I wasn't sincere in my concern and my love for those around me. It was instead me defaulting to that state of toxic positivity of that kind of just kind of fake, uh, you know, essence. Uh, I was defaulting to that state versus actually like feeling or addressing the emotions of whatever situation was happening. So that is, um, that's kind of where we are, right? It's, it felt like a mask for me. And, and so I thought it would be uh, really good to kind of continue on this theme, but we're gonna we're gonna transition into, like I said, the the neurodiversity topic. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast, uh, I have uh, as I've started my neurodiversity journey um, and having been diagnosed with ADHD, I've started to learn more about the concept of masking, um, the in terms of how it comes along with ADHD. And having heard that term and, and seen the memes about it, um, I knew it was a concept that I really wanted to dig into more, uh, to learn more about and to share with you. 
because education on these topics is important because it deals with our mental and physical health and our mental health is extremely important our physical health is extremely important so that is part of the reason that i i pick these topics to research and dive into and and cover with you uh but here's my disclaimer i am not a medical doctor <laughs> uh and the information that i do provide is based on my personal experiences uh and then and the research that i find online please if you feel like uh this information relates to you that you could possibly have adhd or something similar please make sure that you're seeking out the appropriate doctors and therapists to get that proper medical advice and diagnosis if needed um i i want to again provide the information because there's a lot out there um, definitely as I've been going through and, and trying to learn more, there's a lot to navigate through. And so if I can, there have been people in the social media world that have helped me walk through my journey already. And so if there's a, a, a person out there that I can help as they walk through their journey, that's what I want to do. I, I want to pay it forward. Let's start though with an explanation of what is masking. So, uh, oh, hi Kitty. Kitty's gonna say hi before we get started. Hi, would you like to come say hi, Milo? Wow. No, oh, well, you can jump up here on the desk, that's fine. Yes, no, maybe. Wow. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious, what a mess he is. Okay, uh, sorry. <sighs> I get distracted by my, by Milo. He's just so cute and furry. Um, okay. Uh, so where were we at? So explaining exactly what is the concept of masking. Uh, so psychcentral.com says they have an article on there. That's, again, everything I, I reference is linked in the description or the show notes. Um, Psych Central says ADHD masking is also called camouflaging or impression management. It involves hiding symptoms or overcompensating for them. When you mask ADHD, you try to act like you do not have the condition. Masking is not the same thing as managing ADHD. I like that they put that call out there. Uh, then there's an article that I found on VeryWellMind.com. This was written by Arlen uh, Kunsik. I'm, hopefully I said that correctly. Um, but Arlen says, uh, it's also... Again, it's called impression management. <clears throat> um, the term itself was coined by Russell Barkley, who said it occurs in about one third of people with ADHD. Um, and then Kunsit uh, uh, goes on to say that research on ADHD masking is still limited and it has not been studied extensively. Barkley said that this is due to the fact that ADHD masking is a very difficult concept for people without ADHD to understand. So they might find it hard to believe. And I, I, I get, I get why, um, why psychologist uh, Russell Barkley, why he kind of puts it that way, that masking is difficult for people without ADHD to understand. As a person who was just recently diagnosed with ADHD, the concept of masking is, it's not that I, I, I don't, well, I mean, I can't say I fully understand it, but that, that part about like, they might find it hard to believe, right? Because they can't, people without ADHD can't understand it. I think for me, that's kind of where I am. I'm trying to decipher what what have I been masking? Like, what are my masking behaviors and how can I kind of stop, right? Stop the ones that are harmful, um, to my, to my mental and physical health, um, that are, they're keeping me from being authentically me. Um, yeah, that's, I, I have trouble with it. <laughs> So, which is, again, reasons why I do episodes like this, so we can learn together. All right. There is a long list of examples in that VeryWellMind.com article, but I'm going to pull out just the ones that I 
that I mostly related to when I was doing my research. So uh, the first one was, um, and this is examples of masking in ADHD, uh, but seeming fine and not showing any signs that there is a problem when in reality you're struggling to keep up or maintain relationships. Definitely, um, I can definitely uh, see that one in my life. Um, like seeming fine, trying not to show signs that there's problems when internally, um, I am, I am struggling to keep up. I'm struggling to, to stay connected with, uh, with the different relationships in my life. So absolutely, definitely, definitely a mask that I, I have worn and, and still wear at times. Um, the second one that I related to was, um, obsessively organizing paperwork and creating systems to make sure they can find what they need. <laughs> I have so many systems. I have so many systems. Um, yes, uh, I, <laughs> I like to organize paperwork. Um, and I, I think too, not just like physical paperwork, but digital paperwork as well. Um, I like to like put everything in its place, know where everything is. My bookmarks are like super duper organized at work. Um, like I have systems that, that work, um, it, to the point of like when I was, um, at Apple, like I had my screen set up the same way for like a majority of my my, my time there. And so when I, I came to, um, when I came to, to my job now, um, like I set my computer up exactly the same way. Like it's the system that makes that works for my brain because then I, I know where to find the things I need. I don't have to use the extra, the extra, um, executive function, the extra brain power to figure out where something is because I've created the system that works for me and my mind. Okay, uh, next one, uh, bottling up intense emotions until you feel sick inside without knowing why. Uh, and this can sometimes lead to depression. Um, definitely something, um, bottling up emotions, um, keeping them to myself. I, I have done this a lot um, in life. Uh, I, I know that it probably did lead to, um, some of the depressive episodes that I've had, um, throughout, you know, growing up. Um, <clears throat> so it's not good. It's not good to do that. Um, the next one, attempting to cope with the world by developing perfectionist tendencies. Um, right. Expecting that I will never do anything wrong. <laughs> Uh, yes, I definitely, uh, perfectionist tendencies. Yes, I will agree with that. I've had yeah, definitely something that, uh, I've dealt with. We've talked about it here on the podcast a lot. Uh, all right. The next one was overdoing something until exhaustion sets in so that others see how capable and reliable you are, even though deep down you're struggling. I'm just going to leave that one right there. Yep. Um, the next one was hiding that you may feel overwhelmed by your responsibility leads to feelings of shame and guilt. So these, these two kind of tie in together, right? Because you're overworking until exhaustion sets in, um, so that people can see how capable and reliable you are, even though you're struggling and you're, you're hiding the fact that you're struggling. You're hiding the fact that you're overwhelmed by your responsibilities. And when you're hiding those, you feel guilt and you feel shame. You, you feel like, why can't I take that mask off? Why can't I talk to somebody about it? Um, why don't I have a safe space? Like you ask your, I, I say, and I'm saying this, like, this is my experience, right? I have asked myself those questions all like numerous times throughout my life. Um, and so I, this one, these two really go hand in hand for me. Um, hiding the fact like that I'm overwhelmed, um, 
not wanting to ask for help because I feel that guilt of, well, I mean, surely everybody else is as busy as me. Uh, why can't I keep up with these things? Everybody, you know, I'm, everybody else is, nobody else has time to do this, do this either. I'll just make it happen. I'll keep over, I'll over, you know, keep doing something until I'm exhausted to show people that I can do it. It's this, it's a cycle. It's, it's a masking cycle. Um, the last one from this article um, on Very Well Mind was um, that, that I really related to was suppressing stimming behaviors like leg bouncing so that you don't disturb others even though you feel uncomfortable sitting still. Holy moly, that is Heather to a T. So me. Uh, I've talked about that as we've talked about um, this this journey of mine. Like that was one of the things when I started researching ADHD that like immediately for me stuck out like a sore thumb was that I bounce my leg constantly. Um, I, I I tend to like right now um, in my office chair like I'm sitting cross legged um, because if I put my feet down. Um, number one, it's not comfortable. Um, number two, I will shake and it will shake my desk, which will shake the camera, which will shake the mic. It's just not good. Um, so I sit, I sit with my legs crossed most of the time and which is very bad for my, my hips and my back and my, um, physical well-being, according to my chiropractor <laughs> and my massage therapist who constantly are trying to help me overcome the pain that I have now put myself in. So, um, yes, uh, so that is definitely, um, something that, um, that I, that I mask. Sometimes it's a helpful mask. Um, sometimes it's, it's very difficult. Um, we were sitting at a restaurant, um, Friday night eating dinner, and I've, I've been having some pain in my, in my leg. So I've, I've, I guess I've strained my hamstring again. Um, and, and so it hurts. Um, and like sitting, we're sitting in these high chairs and I'm short. So like the, the high bar kind of chair at a high top table. Um, you know, obviously I'm not touching the floor and so I've got like my feet on the bar, but like, I just, I could not get comfortable. And by the end of dinner, I'm like half sitting on the chair, like just trying to take the pressure off of my leg. Um, because like, again, I, I didn't, I couldn't like take my flip flops off and sit cross-legged in the chair. Like that's not really appropriate. I mean, who's, I guess who's to say it's not appropriate, but I didn't feel like that would be appropriate in, in a restaurant. So, Okay. I digress. My, my bad. Sorry. I will continue. Uh, another article that I read was from medium.com and there was an article written by Jillian uh, Enright. Uh, and she wrote, when we mask our neurodivergence, we attempt to achieve and demonstrate neurotypical behavior by using comp, uh, comp, oh, comp, comp, y'all, I can't say this word. Um, by using these strategies, right? Compare this, these, these strategies to demonstrate neurotypical behavior, right? Uh, a couple articles called it like mirroring. Um, so that's when I think about that, right? That story I just said about in the restaurant, um, masking my neurodivergence, um, in an attempt to demonstrate normal or neurotypical behavior in the restaurant, I wasn't going to, you know, kick my, my flip flops off and put my feet in my chair, um, where maybe I would have been more comfortable, where maybe my leg would not have been hurting so much. I didn't do that because I was trying to demonstrate that neurotypical behavior, um, to, to achieve normalcy. Uh, in her article as well, there was an image that had, uh, so it was like, is this longer image and on one side it had, um, the ADHD behavior and then on the other side it was like how she would mask it. And the last one was very on point. So, uh, on the side, the ADHD behavior was, I have a hard time deciding in the moment and have to reread every 
choice multiple times. And so the image here is like the, the little person like looking at a menu and the waiter is behind them, like staring, like, you know, what, what do you want? Um, so that behavior of like having that hard to like in the moment decide, having to reread everything multiple times. Uh, and then the other side, like how she would mask it, um, she she put, um, so I started secretly looking up menus in advance and then would write down the choices in her phone, like the choices that she wanted in her phone. So then she wouldn't have to look up, like look at the menu. Um, again, this is very relatable to me. I often at a restaurant will make fun of myself saying, oh, I can never decide. But this literally happened to me today at lunch. Today. <laughs> we went to a restaurant that we go to very often. Uh, I order DoorDash from there when Jay is out playing um, a lot because I like their filet mignon and mashed potatoes. <laughs> um, so I know their menu. I know the items on the menu that I like. But still, I wasn't ready when the waitress came over. So she was like, oh, that's fine. I'll come back in a minute. And so then I spent three or four minutes reading the entire menu again, narrowing down the choices to what I wanted, right? And, and oh, man. So I, I did. I read every menu choice. And then I was like, oh, but I think I want a salad. So I read the salads like multiple times. And then I was like, but maybe I want uh, uh, the sliders. Jade's getting sliders. Maybe I'll get sliders too. <laughs> Just back and forth and back and forth until I finally was like, this is what I'm, I'm getting the chopped salad. That is what I'm getting menu. Go away. Like, and I had to push it out of the way. So I wouldn't pick it up again until she came, you know, because she hadn't come back yet. <sighs> now, sometimes I will, I have done this hack before. Um, when we're trying to figure out where to go, I'll look up the menu and see if there's something that I want. A lot of times I'm looking it up to see if there's something that Jay will eat. Um, because he's like, I'll eat, I'll eat pretty much. I'll eat at almost any restaurant. <laughs> um, but there are things I want to make sure that they have for him so that he'll be able to eat and enjoy the, enjoy the restaurant as well. But anytime we do that, right, if we've got different choices or we're like, oh, we're going to go here and it's a new place, I'll look before we go and I'll think, oh, man, I really want this thing. Like, oh, if they have a lobster roll. Oh, man, I'd love a lobster roll. Or, oh, that burger looks so good on their website. I'll make that decision only to get to the restaurant and spiral because I'm looking at the menu all over again changing my mind, trying to figure it out, going, ooh, but the tacos, ooh, but the this, ooh, but the that. Like, I almost, I almost ordered fish tacos today at this restaurant. Y'all, I, in my head, I want to love fish tacos. I don't. But I will continue to order them still. Because, like, because I will spiral and I'll go, ooh, but it has mango salsa and it has all these things that I like. I don't like especially fried fish tacos. Now, a grilled or blackened fish taco I can probably do, but most of the time you get them, they're fried. And, ugh, don't, don't like it. Okay, sorry. I digress. Um, all right, Enright uh, also shared, here's another catch-22. Masking limits one's sense of self. Um, masking also increases stress. Increased stress increase, increases emotional dysregulation and reduced self-concept clarity uh, reduces the efficacy with which we manage our emotions. Whew, that's a lot of words. So let me go. Let's, let's kind of take that back because that's a long sentence. So masking increases stress. That increased stress then increases our emotional dysregulation and that reduced self-concept clarity. Um, the reduced self-concept clarity that we that we have at that point reduces the eff efficacy with which we manage our emotions. <laughs> ah! <laughs> There's a lot there. Uh, she continues on by saying, camouflaging may allow us to pass for neurotypical in certain situations, but we're still divergent at the neurocognitive level. Our brains are still different beneath our mask. Yes. I, I, 
you know, a lot of times when I when I do these episodes, and you're like, you may think, gosh, she sure does read a lot of quotes. That's because I I I curate this information together so that it makes it helps it to make sense for me. And and I always want to get, number one, I want to give credit where credit is due. I'm not I don't want to take somebody's words and and say that they're my own for sure. Um, but I just think these people, you know, I want to share the information that these people have, have done their research, the, the writing that they've done. I want to share that as, as well, cause they spent their time doing it. So I'll share it. Sorry. It is. If you've never listened to one of my podcasts, sometimes I get a little off track. Welcome. Okay. Uh, let me get back on track. Um, so some of the other consequences that masking um, can have, uh, this comes back from the uh, VeryWellMind.com article. Um, they said that ADHD masking replaces outward stress with internal stress. Again, we're, we're pulling in that increased stress that happens. Um, people who engage in ADHD masking can continue to go undiagnosed for years because they are able to hide their struggles well, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely. Have apparently hid them, uh, hid them even from myself. Um, ADHD masking can make it hard for you to know what is real and what is an act. You may feel as if you are not able to be yourself and instead turn into someone else so that others will like you. Okay, so this is, uh, so real story. So back when um, I was, um, this was back in, I guess, uh, 2008. So this is, um, this is before I met Jay. Um, uh, this was around the time I was, I was going through my divorce. And I remember telling a really good friend at the time, um, I, I was so different when I was around like her um, and when I wasn't, when, when my ex-husband wasn't there, um, you know, when I would be hanging out with her and her family, um, if he was there, I would be very quiet. I didn't say a lot of things. I wasn't, um, I, I wasn't, you know, bubbly. I, I, I just was very quiet and reserved. And when I would just like be me and her, or just me and her and maybe like her mom or something, I would, I would come out of my shell. I would be making jokes. I would laugh. I would sing. I would, um, I was just, I was able to be myself um, in a way that I didn't get to express, um, when I was around, when, when I was around my ex-husband. That's not to say anything bad about my ex-husband, so let me put that out there. Um, it wasn't like he was saying I couldn't say or do anything. It was, it was just how I was acting. Um, I, I was just a different person when he was around, um. Again, reasons that we're not together, <laughs> you know. Um, all right, and then the the last one that I want to share um, the consequences of masking that they had in this article. It says, if you are very good at masking your ADHD symptoms, people may not believe you when you tell them that something is wrong or that you are struggling. That one really hits me. I cannot lie, like. That one hit me really hard when I read it, um, because I, I've, I've told, you know, as I've been, um, you know, open and been telling people, you know, have, have like telling people like, you know, yes, I was diagnosed with ADHD. Like I get this, they get this look, like people that have known me for a long time, they get this look on their face or like I can hear it in their voice if we're on the phone. Like, really? You? Um, yeah, and it's, I get it. 
I, I understand. So there was an article that I found on attitude.com that was written by Dr. Ellen Lippman. And that article is called, I'm smart, so I should be able to overcome ADHD, right? And for me, that rolls right into that last bullet point I shared about people not believing me when I tell them. In the article, Dr. Littman writes that high IQ people with attention deficit often excel at tasks requiring divergent thinking, which is spontaneous and nonlinear, right? Outside of the box thinking. They're usually less successful at task um, requiring convergent thinking, which requires accuracy, logic, and speed, like math SAT thinking. Again, this I know this is kind of generalized, so don't. I'm just I'm reading Dr. Lippmann's words here, and I'm not. I don't even know what my IQ is, so maybe it's not high, but. Um, but I, I think about this. I, I relate to this this statement though in the fact that. Um, you know, attention, attention deficit, um, people who have ADHD, um, do, you know, do excel at tasks that require divergent thinking, that, that out of the box thinking. Um, but there are some that, that do excel at the accuracy logic, those kind of things. For me, that is not yet. I, when it said math, SAT thinking, oh, that gave me flashbacks. Um, test taking is not my friend. Timed test or time test give me the heebie-jeebies. I hate them so much. I took the ACT three times in high school. I made a 19, a 21, and a 21. And I was like, I'm done. I cannot make any higher. I'm not going to take it again. Because just the sheer anxiety of that being a timed test just is a no for me. I don't, I, I've always kind of had that test anxiety um, around, uh, you know, time test. I had to take a certification test um, a couple weeks ago. Um, it was 100 questions in two and a half hours. I ended with like 20 minutes to go. Um I was, I was nervous if I was going to finish or not, um, because I was like, because I have to read the question, I have to reread the question and reread the question multiple times. Um, so I digress again, my apologies. Uh, but Dr. Lippman continues and says, those who grow up celebrated as smart internalize their intellect as a foundation of their identities and source of self-esteem. Hello, have you met me? <laughs> it absolutely, absolutely was, uh, was and still is to some point a foundation of my identity and, um, and was a source of self-esteem. Yeah. Uh, she continues on. She says, they know that they carry the expectation of success. Thriving in school with little effort, they have been told that success will be theirs. But here's where the path begins to diverge for those with ADHD. Due to the developmental delays that characterize ADHD, children with the condition tend to lag three to five years behind their chronological peers in social or emotional functioning. At the same time, very bright children with the condition often function three to five years beyond their peers intellectually. So, I grew up um, labeled as a smart kid. Um, had all A's um, in school. Um, I made two B's the entire, you know, course of my, um, you know, kindergarten to 12th grade. Um, you know, so I was smart. I was salutatorian um, of my of my graduating class. Um, and when I when I read this statement about like kind of where the paths diverge for for people with ADHD, right? You either have the ones that um, that may be lagging behind their peers, or you have the ones, uh, the, 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 the bright, or maybe those that are considered smart or high functioning, um, or, you know, seen as high functioning, the, um, that condition often, you know, gives them that, that like they're three to five years beyond their peers. Um, I, I, I remember like growing up, 
I was always, I mean, I was an only child until I was 12. Um, but I was like getting myself up for school and getting ready for school by my, like when I was 10, <laughs> nine, 10, I, I was, I mean, fairly young. I was getting myself up and ready for school. And then I would go across the street to my neighbor's house, uh, and wait for the bus. Um, and then, and then at some point when I was maybe like 13, I was like, the bus smells, I'm going to walk to school because I live two streets from the school. So then I walked to school every day. Uh, and then when I was 14, I got my motorcycle's license and then I rode my motorcycle to school. Like, um, yeah, like I was like, I don't know, like I always, and I always was hanging out. I mean, again, I was an only child, but I was always, I always tended to like enjoy conversation and be able to relate more with the people older than me than I did with the people that were like my age. I, I get hindsight, you know, looking back, like you see these things. All right. Uh, later in the article, Dr. Lippman shares the story of Mark, um, a stellar student back in the day. He was debate team captain, accepted to two Ivy League schools. Um, he can't relate to that earlier self, that person that he used to be. Because now Mark is a 38-year-old advertising executive. He just zoned out in his last business meeting and is worried that he missed something relevant. And then after finishing his PowerPoint at 2 a.m., he overslept the next day and left home without coffee. He says, whoever I was, I'm not that guy anymore. It doesn't seem to matter how much I know. When I have to perform, I freeze up and feel incompetent. <laughs> um, sorry, water break. Um, I relate to, to parts of this story. Um, number one, I'm 38 years old. So I relate to that. Um, I have been known to... Um, to zone out in, in conversations before, um, and, and worried that I missed something relevant. So a lot of times I'll have to, I, I have to go back and recap, put, put context clues together. Um, I've been known to stay up late. Um, I tend not to, I say that and then I'll oversleep tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> I tend not to oversleep, uh, because then I just tend not to sleep. Um, and I work from home, so I never leave home without coffee. But I get, I get that, right? It's sometimes I look back and I go, that person, I don't know who that person was. I don't feel like that person anymore. Um, it, yeah, like I, it's so weird to think about like the difference, the, the differences in the things that I've learned about myself and that I now know about myself. Oh, Okay. And I know, I apologize. I'm kind of, I, I keep, oh, I'm sorry. I hit my mic. Um, I, I apologize that sometimes I get off, off of the topic. Um, but I write, like I have my, like my bullet points and then like, I, I just kind of go with it sometimes. Um, okay. So the story of Mark is followed up with the reminder that a high IQ can make it easier to compensate for ADHD symptoms. Um, and higher IQ adults with ADHD appear to function well, but this comes at a high emotional cost. Investing much time and energy to present as <laughs> to present a flawless personal persona, they rely on obsessive behaviors to guarantee organization and structure. However successfully they manage their cycles of procrastination and hyperfocus, they inevitably will feel burdened and exhausted. Determined to keep anxiety, frustration, shame, and disappointment internalized, they relentlessly self-monitor. They are hypervigilant about hiding anything that might expose their internal chaos. I probably just could have read that paragraph earlier and been like, this is Heather. This is how I have felt how I feel sometimes, um, how I'm sure I will feel again in the future. Um, because 
in that in that quest of school where you know getting all A's and being pushed to you know you're smart why don't work why did you get this grade you know, why didn't you get an A kind of thing um, in that you know trying to present that flawless personal or you know that flawless public persona um, I really did rely on like things to guarantee you know behaviors to guarantee organization and structure um, I was pretty pretty regimented with kind of what I did and then like I was in band so like I had you know all of the you know I had practiced so like I had a very a pretty set schedule um, throughout that kind of kept me you know kept me on point um, you know now as an adult you know in the in the work field um, you know, managing the cycles of procrastination and hyperfocus, um, it's, it can be very exhausting. Um, because it's not like I, it's not that I procrastinate or something on purpose. Um, sometimes it's the thought of just kind of, Gosh, sorry, I'm trying to think of how to how to explain it. Um, sometimes it's just like, okay, I've got to do this. I've got to do this thing. Um, I need to be in the right mindset. Well, I'm not in the right mindset because oh, my email's got too many things in it. There's too many things on my desk. There's this. There's like, it's it's like I like I tell myself that I must have all of this order and structure before I can actually start the thing. Um, and then once I get into like hyper focus, then it's, then it's easy. I get it done. I'm like, boom, 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 boom. Hey, it's done. Yay. You know? Um, but then I'm like just wiped, like completely wiped. Like I need to go and just sit and, and be quiet or, you know, listen to a book or go to bed. Like I, whew, Yes hyper vigilant about hiding anything that might expose my internal chaos <laughs> um and i would be lying if i said that that this process that learning more about this and and working through this kind of stuff was making things easier for me it's not <laughs> it's not making things easier and i and i know that's part of the process of learning um, about ADHD, about the, the mask that I have, that I have worn, that I wear, um, what's the good, what's the bad, like all of that. Um, I, I know that it's not going to be easy walking through this. Um, earlier today, while I was reading through the articles, getting ready, uh, and, and writing this podcast, I kept going, um, into the living room to say hi to Jay. And, um, like I would, I was, you know, I'd get up, I'd, I'd walk in, uh, to like, you know, look in the refrigerator, not to eat anything, just to look, uh, or refill my water or just get up off the floor. Um, and so anytime I go in the living room, this, this is, this is an everyday thing. I go in, he's sitting on the couch. Uh, I'm like, Hey hun, I give him a hug. I give him a kiss. Um, so I, I did that. So I walked out, gave him a hug and a kiss, said, Hey, um, he said, he was like, what was wrong? Like he could, he could just see it on my face. He was like, he felt like something was wrong. I said, oh, nothing, nothing. I'm, I'm good. Uh, and I went, I came back in the office to the computer. Um, and you know, the next time that I went out, um, he asked again, um, he said, you know, Hey, is everything, are you okay? Like you look, you know, you look sad. You don't look, you know, happy. What's, what's going on? I said, oh, you know, it's just, it's just my leg. It's hurting. My shoulder hurts. I'm like, I don't know if I slept on it wrong. I don't know. Um, because I will say like my hamstring and my, like my shoulder have been really angry with me today. Like, Ugh, so mad. Um, anyways, uh, so, so I, I tell him this. And so then I, I'm walking back to my office and I stop and I turn back around to Jay and I, and I told him the truth. I told him 
how I was really feeling. And I started to cry. Um, because I was just, I was just very overwhelmed with the emotions that I was feeling today. Um, between my leg, like my hamstring hurting, my arm hurting, my hip hurting, like it's so frustrating that I can't like figure out like how to fix these things, how to get it back uh, to where it does not hurt. Um, but that, that kind of spilled over into like some of the things that I like thinking about myself and how I feel physically and, and how I feel mentally, right? So I started to cry. He comes over, he gives me a hug, he comforts me while I'm sobbing. <laughs> he listens to me ramble through my thoughts, the concerns that I have. And I, and I will say, like, it felt so good to kind of let that mask down and, like, actually let my feelings that I was feeling at that moment, like, let them out. Um, and... <sighs> you know, in my head, um, the, the, the story that I tell myself, um, is that, oh, I don't want to burden him with the way that I'm feeling. I don't want to seem like I'm complaining. That's the reason sometimes I, I think, you know, we don't tell people things. We, we don't want to, we don't want to complain. Um, we don't want to, come across as that but you know but Jay's my husband I I need to to be honest with with all of those feelings of when I feel upset when my body hurts when um I'm frustrated with something I can't put my mask on of everything's okay I'll figure it out um, hiding those things, right? Hiding that internal chaos. I can't do that. I have to let, I have to let him see and let him understand and, and let him help me in the ways that he can help me. So now that, uh, I've gone through all that deep stuff, <laughs> um, so now what, right? How do I begin to determine what a mask is, um, what a mask isn't, what is helpful and what is not? Um, and Dr. Lippman shared six steps to accepting yourself, um, ADHD, IQ, and all. And she introduces this list by saying, having someone bear witness to your experience is the first step toward self-acceptance. You cannot change your brain wiring, but there are many ways to feel worthier in your own skin. And that is something I would love, is to feel worthier in my own skin. Um, okay, so let me go through this list. So there's six things she says. So the first one she says is to learn everything you can about your ADHD brain. <laughs> Um, I am working on that one, checking that box. Uh, she says, read, watch webinars, join online groups so that you can understand why you can't always control your responses, regardless of how smart you are. Uh, there is relief in discovering that many share the journey that feels like yours alone. Um, and so I'm, I'm actually in a couple groups on Facebook, um, like some cleaning, one of them's like a cleaning group or something. And, um, it's uh somebody just posted in there today they were like I just want to say thank you to this group for making me feel less alone because people post and it's a safe space to post um and people come into the comments with helpful suggestions supportive words instead of like ripping people to shreds. You see people do this on Facebook all the time. Um, they'll, somebody, oh gosh, there's this like pizza page or something that, that Jay's on. And he was showing me today, there was this post that said, uh, where's the best pizza, you know, in Pittsburgh? And people were like, drive three hours east. 
uh, New York City, like being just just being smart alecks about it. Um, and that's not like that's I get that it's <clears throat> let me not lessen this because that's just rude. <laughs> that's just that that to me like it's not helpful, right? If you're gonna post on a page with a lot of stuff and you're gonna give like answers like that, like that's not helpful to that person. Um, but like in this group, right? That's like part of the reason that this group exists is because you can post in the group. Um, about your like cleaning questions like how do I clean this how do I start with with this particular mess um, how do I do these things and the people that respond are the they are helpful and supportive responses versus somebody just coming and being like oh you're such a mess like those kind of like not useful things um, and so it makes you feel it, it lets you know that you are not alone um, this is not a journey that you're walking through by yourself. Nobody's journeys are the same, but you have the similarities of things that you deal with. All right. The second thing that she says is to strip away labels. Uh, you are not your symptoms or, nor your diagnosis, nor your IQ. Separate the existence of who you are from the labels that might limit you. As you rid yourself of those labels, you can begin to redefine your identity with more realistic aspects of who you are, not who you should be. Yes, let's, next thing Heather has to work on. <laughs> uh, it says break out, the third one is break out of the prison of isolation. It says, take the risk, work with a therapist, um, talk with a best friend, a partner, or a support group. Imagine feeling safe enough to take off your mask without fear of rejection. Um, and that's something that, like I said, that's something I did today. You know, I, I didn't, I, I took that mask off. I wasn't scared of, of Jay rejecting me um I was you know I was like I have to be open with all of the things that I'm feeling and I felt safe enough to do that um yeah and it, it felt it felt good to to not be isolated with those thoughts at that point in time um, and then this information, right, definitely, these are things that um, are going to be coming with me to my next therapy appointment um, so that I can continue to talk through these things and, and work through, like, the labels, stripping out away those labels, that kind of stuff. All right. Number four it says to remind yourself that most people juggle issues that make the world less predictable. None of us have that uh, coveted sense of control all the time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number five is optimize your functioning thought or mm, sorry optimize your functioning through better self-care diet sleep exercise stress management hobbies and relaxation investing in yourself sends the message that you are worth it so um this these are things that i definitely have been struggling with um diet, sleep, um, uh, exercise. So I use an app called Copilot. And right now I'm set up to do um, three sessions a week. Um, it's all on my phone. And um, like I do um, stretches, like active stretches on Monday and Friday. And then on Wednesdays, I just started doing um, arm workouts. So just kind of trying to build back the habit of exercising um, on a regular basis um, in smaller doses, but also doing things that, that are helping, hopefully helping my body um, with, the, with the pain that, uh, that I have in my, in my leg and my hip. So, um, and uh, th that last sentence of investing in yourself sends the message that you are worth it. You know, I end every show reminding you that you are worthy. And that reminder isn't, you know, the, the, how I end the show is not, it's, it's for you, but it's also for me. 
it's also to remind myself that. Um, because there are times that, that I don't feel worthy. I mean, I think we all go through that, you know, and as I've been kind of you know, walking, walking through, um, you know, learning more about my, about myself, about, um, you know, my ADHD and, and, and working through, you know, medications and that kind of stuff. <clears throat> um, sometimes it's been hard to, to remember that, that I am worth the effort, um, to learn about this stuff, to take care of myself. Um, so yeah, I, I appreciate number five and we'll work to keep that top of mind. Uh, her final one, her final recommendation, um, for, um, accepting yourself is to celebrate your gifts. Uh, you may feel that your capabilities don't exist because you can't uh, reliably access them. Um, we don't expect artists to create masterpieces every day. Uh, show the same compassion for yourself and don't hold yourself to unrealistically high standards. Nothing can steal your brilliant solutions from you. Rather than lament that they don't occur often enough, celebrate them when they do. Celebrate your gifts. Celebrate your wins. Um, when when I make the bed, even if some days when I make the bed at like, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon or something, um, it still gives me a little, like a little bit of joy just to know that oh, the bed's made and it looks nice. Um, when I put my clothes away, the, the day that I wash and dry them, like that's a win for me like that. It's like, yes, I did. Like, okay, yes, I did it. Like, okay, I got it done. And, um, so I, this is something that I, I feel pretty consistent with, with like the small things that like the small wins that I have, but definitely, um, have to work on that, showing myself, um, that compassion, um, and not holding myself to unrealistic high standards. Um, so yeah. Okay. Um, now, I will say too, like this list of six things, right, to, to accept yourself, whether you have ADHD or, or, some, or something else, or you're more on the neurotypical side, those are six steps that can help everybody. Um, I mean, when you think about it, um, and this, this, again, it's listed in the show notes if you want to follow up on it, but if we just, in general, right, to accept more of ourselves, um, you know, we need to learn about our brains, you know, learn about our bodies, um, you know, how, how everything is, everything works, uh, you know, together, uh, strip away labels that you have, break out of the prison of isolation, remind yourself that most people juggle issues, um, optimize your functioning with, through better, better self-care, and then celebrate your gifts. That is something every single person that's listening to this podcast could, could work through and, and come out on the other side, um, you know, hopefully a happier and healthier version. Um, and, and maybe you can't do these by yourself. Maybe it's something that you work with a therapist with, that you work with a friend with, that you, that you talk through somebody with, you find a support group, whatever. Um, you know, these are, these are things that we can, each and every one of us can do to accept ourselves fully for who we are. Um, and I want to remind you again, I am not a medical doctor. <laughs> um, the information that I'm sharing is, is not to be taken as diagnostic advice. I do encourage you to seek out a diagnosis from a doctor or make an appointment with a therapist. If you related to the information that I shared today, um, the first step of the journey starts by simply asking the question, um, uh, you know, ask, you know, making the appointment, asking the question, right? That's, that's the first step of the journey. 
Um, all right. Uh, that's going to close up our time for the day. Uh, I really appreciate that you took the time to listen to the episode. Uh, please feel free to share it on social media if you think it would help someone else as well. Next week, I'm sharing my conversation with artist and teacher Martha Arrington. Uh, such a wonderful conversation. I really am excited for you to hear it. Uh, but until then, I want you to remember, as, as I will try to remember for myself, that you are loved you are worthy, and there are great things ahead for you in this life if you trust and believe in the Lord. I will see you next week. Bye.